is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Mash Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering four conversations from episode two, our discussion with leading patient advocates, plus from the vault, a conversation from March 2023 with Jeff McIntyre about the value of mash medications. This conversation asks, who is the customer? To Louise Campbell, the market is made by the payer, the physician prescribes, and as she puts it, the patient is not the customer, but in fact, the product. Tony Miliotti describes the payer as the last frontier in terms of caring about patient perspectives, the one group national knowledge hasn't really spoken with. Jeff McIntyre, who noted previously that the target market segment for his meter on at launch may be only 300 to 400,000 patients, asks how payers will respond to the idea of a narrow target market and, left unsaid, a high per patient drug cost. In contrast to Louise's statement, Jeff sees the patient not as the product, but instead as the stakeholder for which the entire healthcare system has to work. Milan Mishkovic takes a more public payer approach, looking for hard numbers on high cost events like liver cancer to build into a value computation for the product, which will drive a price. And, as the conversation winds down, I comment that patients are pivotal because if they do not adhere to therapy, the drug will not work for them. And as a result, the physician will undervalue the efficacy of the drug and not prescribe it as often as he or she might otherwise. This conversation yields three common themes. The guard of optimism of the patient advocates as they await the rhythmia date, their desire to be included in discussions about patient access and value, and finally, the different kinds of exciting work and programs each sees on the agenda for 2024. I always find our episodes and advocates to be equal parts energizing and thought-provoking, so just sit back, listen, learn, enjoy. When you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. One of the senses I'm getting listening to everybody is that while the patient is the end user, and in that regard, the most important customer. Um, on a lot of these issues around value, everybody sounds kind of tangential, not being in some of the key rooms, not being there in some of the key moments. Do you envision a world where that gets better? Wayne Eskridge. Oh, Roger. That's a wishful dream. Uh, you must be in <laughs> Wayne, I'm not sure I do. I was actually looking for somebody to give me a more hopeful answer than the one okay. I would have come up with. You know, uh, one of the one of the great challenges we have in uh, the U.S. in particular is uh, the very fragmented payer system. You know, everybody has their own vote, and you know there are some broad currents that are kind of led by CMS and so on, but each of the uh, insurance payers has their own decision-making groups, and it's just an endless series of discussions that take place. We've tried to have some impact on that from the Fatty Liver Foundation, but we haven't had the ability to dedicate staff to do nothing but beat up on <laughs> on the system and the payers and try to gain access. I mean, it's a very very long-term thing. And I really appreciate GLI investing in that kind of consistent effort. So it really lets us off the hook a little bit so we can focus more on the patient. Louise Campbell. I think the other thing is, whilst the patient will take the medication, they are not the market. The market is the payer. It is the private, the physician who's going to do it. They have the money. They are where all healthcare is targeted. Medication may be directed at or a test or an investigation at who we're going to use it on, but they have never been the market that healthcare or drives in. We always deal with it's a business, whether it's a private insurance payer business, whether it's the NHS, I've heard it described as product. The patient is the product. Mm. It is the way it is done. Remember, that is where it's the target. They are not the end payers. 
and you have to make the end paid like nice. Nice do it on cost effectivity. It's not necessarily about the patient. It's about the cost effectivity of the medication in the group. So we would love to always see that the patient is the center of that focus, but that is not often the way medicine and health talk. And I think we've seen that in the nomenclature. We've seen that not just in this disease spectrum. And I do think insurance will play a big role. We get incentivization from insurance companies to be healthier and fitter. Now they can use muzzled. They can use weight. They can use all of these things. We have Wega-V or semaglutide. We have trisepatide. We have resmeteron coming in. We've got more and more medications that make that easy for them to say, you've got to have ticked this box, this box, and this box. And I'm sure this is where Jeff and GLI with their global umbrella can help drive different countries. And I think that's going to be the interesting part of this. But this will come down to an individual position of how he's going to prescribe or she's going to prescribe this medication and what part of that is their income and the way this works out. And I think that may well come into play here more than who's the end user of something we've sold to this particular group. And that happens throughout Europe. It's a very common way of healthcare. It's about the purchaser, not the end user. Tony Viliotti. It seems to me the payers are kind of the last frontier in caring what the patient thinks. A lot of the farmers are you know, certainly willing to talk to you know groups like ours about what we think and so forth. The FDA, you know, some days you think they you know they care about what you think, some days that you think they don't. But I would I would say the payers are the last frontier. We we haven't reached out to them in regards to covering medications, but just in terms of having an interest in helping us raise awareness, which would lead to disease prevention, which you would think would, would be an economic economic case that the insurers would be interested in, but, but they don't want to talk to us, has been our experience. Jeff McIntyre. All right. I think um, how to encapsulate all of that. Wow, you've got smart people on the panel today, Roger. I would say foremost, yeah, payers are, are one of the last sort of places that we're, we're looking at, but we have been banging this drum for quite a long time. I mean, this is the point that Padufa on March 14th has been the time, as I said earlier, where we can get the questions answered that we've all been asking. Granted, I don't want to take anything away from Resmeteron in terms of its potential for usage with the community and the patients that it can serve, but there is a second achievement in this approval process, which is now we get to answer some of these questions. You know, how are the payers going to respond to uh, a narrow market segmentation? Is there going to be a rush on the market? Can we get reimbursement for this narrow piece? And then will that set a precedent for how we go forward in other areas? Will it be consistent throughout U.S. systems, not just in terms of CMS, but what's the VA, the Veterans Administration, going to do on top of this as well? There are, to us at GLI, I keep using this phrase, there are very many here and now issues that we can now engage once we get that check mark from the FDA, and we'll start moving towards that. In terms of your question, Roger, originally about kind of the patient engagement, if you will, about patients being kind of tertiary to the case, yeah, absolutely, that's been the case. That is, this is why we push for patient inclusion at every stage because we have the authority, we have the expertise, we may not be the end client, as you say, Louise, but we are who they work for. You know, we're the client in this. And I think we, we, we could go back as far as Larry Kramer, even before, you know, him and AIDS and whatnot, to talk about whether there was a level playing field for patients engaging in these ways. And there's just 
not. And so this is why patient engagement, why patient advocacy exists. This is why we've got good people around the table here talking about this. And this is why, again, we're cautiously optimistic about an, an approval for this asset so we can now start answering some of these questions. And, and if we get the answers that we want, then we expect to have a wider door open for other assets and other therapies to start coming through. This is not the end result. This is only the opening to the door to the beginning. Check. Okay, Milan, you have something you wanted to say that I have a comment I want to make and then I want to go in a different direction. Milan Mishkovic. Because we mentioned a lot of times the payers and why the payers, uh, how to get the, the, the access and everything. What is most important, if you see from other perspective, from the perspective of the payers, what is most important for them? When you mention some kind of access to be uh, eligible on the market and uh, why this group of patients to get this drug. Uh, you have uh, different kind of, let's say, perspectives. One of the perspectives is that this, uh, let's say, particular disease, if we get this uh, particular medicine for this uh, disease, what we exactly achieve. That, uh, that is the, 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 the analyze which more and less they like to know. And the problem is that if you use this drug tomorrow, you will reduce what? And that what, what you want to reduce, how much costs? And you will make this analyze through the, the cost of this medicament. This is very important, especially in Europe. We, every time which we, we're discussing, we're using, let's say, some comparative method to, to explain them that if I treat this group of patients, I will, let's say, reduce uh, liver cancer in the next period of, I don't know how much money will cost that. And if you use, I don't know, 10 million for this, uh, you will reduce costs in the future for this. You know, sometimes uh, they like this uh, because uh, the payers, every time uh, like to have numbers. Numbers, how much people you will treat, how much will, will cost all of that for them, how much uh, they need to pay, and uh, how much on eventually they will save in the future for the next period if they treat this group of patients. If we don't, if we say, let's say, this is one of the perspectives which they usually like openly to discuss with the, the patient advocates uh, in different countries in Europe. Why to treat so many patients, and uh, what is the reason? If you can change with the lifestyle, uh, what is going to be this reason? Why you would like to use the particular medicine? Uh, what is exactly the benefits on all of these things? And also, together with the scientific community, especially with the professionals, we have the numbers, uh, several incidents, all of this things are very helpful, helpful. Uh, for that. Uh, the last of our meeting in, in the parliament, we, we, when we discussed about the liver cancer, when we mentioned the risk factors, how much money they will spend if they don't treat hepatitis, if they don't treat uh, MASH, if they don't uh, treat alcohol, on the end of the day, they will spend how many in the transplantation and all of this. You know, you can make a good, uh, let's say, uh, a statistic uh, tables with this analytics and uh, every time to have to be prepared uh, because every everything what is on the table, it's not just for better of us, like a patients and the patient communities, but in the same uh, for them, for the next period, of course, not in the moment. But this is uh, one of the things which I, I would like to mention. And thank you for that. At one point in time, you know, I functioned as a pricing consultant. So I listened to this conversation with, with real interest on several levels. First of all, pharmaceuticals are unique in that it's really a tripartite market. One person prescribes, one person pays, one person takes. Now, sometimes the person who pays and the person who takes is the same person. Prescriber is never the person who pays, right? But if those three things don't work in unison, 
then you've got a problem. The easiest way for a drug not to succeed, for example, is for the first several patients who take it to fail to comply with it, because then the doctor will not see success, and then it will tell the doctor the drug doesn't work. And, you know, those decisions get made office by office, really. So all that is a challenge. Now, the best strategy people have come up with over time, going back to what Jeff said, is banning narrow population and taking a price against the narrow population, because you wind up doing two things. Number one is it's now in the payer's interest to enforce the narrow population because they're going to get killed financially if they don't. And it means that the manufacturer has the money to invest in all the education that has to get done. This is a huge, not, not that I'm telling you guys something you don't know. The educational challenges around a disease that 30% of the population has are massive, massive. We're anticipating having primary care prescribed. Primary care don't even know what the disease is for the most part right now. So enough money has to come into the system to educate for this to get off to the right start. And, and doing that becomes really challenging. And then when you go into other markets, it gets even trickier. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingmash.com. We'll be back next week with some of the leaders of the nomenclature process to discuss its successes, lessons, and next steps. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.